They said we could be really free. They said we could have it our way. They said we could really know good from evil. They said we wouldn't die. They lied. Abortion, ending the life of a yet-to-be-born child. A baby, waiting for his or her chance at living outside the womb, suddenly, horribly, tragically torn apart, limb from limb, savagely murdered in the supposed safety of his or her mother's body. What could be worse? What could rival such evil? I can tell you what rivals the tragedy and evil of abortion. It is the robbery and of the innocence of a young person and of the murdering of the soul of a human being. It is the deliberate erasure of decency, honesty, goodness and the knowledge of right and wrong from the mind and the conscience of our youth. I just finished watching a movie on the Disney Channel named, Free Guy. It is about a bank teller who discovers he is actually a background player in an open-world video game, decides to become the hero of his own story, one he rewrites himself. Now in a world where there are no limits, he is determined to be the guy who saves his world his way, by being good, before it is too late. Rating, PG-13, Language Vertical Bar Crude Slash Suggestive References Vertical Bar Strong Fantasy Violence Genre, Action, Comedy, Adventure Original Language, English Director, Sean Levy Producer, Ryan Reynolds, Sean Levy, Sarah Schechter, Greg Berlanti, Adam Kohlbrenner First, I want to say that I was drawn into the fantasy movie because it is a fun and silly movie about a very innocent and naive man named Guy, played by one of my favorite fun guys, Ryan Reynolds. Guy is neat, articulate, polite, kind and a good friend to all. I was especially drawn to Guy's kindness and his innocence. Guy and all of his NPC friends are characters in a violent video game and they are the victims of violence and abuse of the gamers, the characters who playing this video game. One day, Guy accidentally finds and puts on a pair of the gamer's sunglasses and can see what is going on inside this video game. At first, he is confused by the graphics, but he begins to catch on and plays the hero to end the violence. Guy has been programmed by the game's creators, as an artificial intelligence experiment, and he comes to life in the program. This is where his character steals the heart of millions, including those who watch this movie, as a hero, fighting and overcoming evil, but refusing to use the tactics of the murderous gamer's characters. Behind the movie scenes. Although rated PG-13, it uses exclamatory words such as GDTA, it, SH.T, F, K. At one point, one of the characters implies then repeats, are you saying that God is a D.CK? It also, slightly, introduces the political topic of the evils of gun violence in real life, and remember, this was intentionally produced for and deliberately directed at youthful audience, our children. About halfway through this movie, hidden within its fun and exciting exterior, this movie, not so sublimely, begins making existential, moral and political statement that fit the liberal leftists, Marxists and globalists' agenda. There is a war being waged in our real world. It has been raging for about 4,000 years, see perfection, Chapter 9. Like in the movie, the opponents in this real war have generally been known as good and evil. In the real world, some attribute the idea of God, good, versus Satan, evil. This movie eventually, once you are good and hooked, challenges the existence of a good and moral God and suggests that good is possible without God, and evil is anything you define as being less than your own idea of good. In other words, good and evil are just inventions of the human experience through your personal experience and imagination. The movie introduces the idea is that if you eliminate God or the idea of an absolute standard of good, you also eliminate the need for evil, and voila. Evil disappears. 
which is exactly what the writers and producers suggest in this movie. The movie is subtly saying that good and evil are constructs of the mind imposed on societies through our imagination and can be eliminated by denying the existence of either. So, you become your own god, just like one of the movie's characters, Guy's best friend, Buddy, says. If that is all that was at hand, or in mind, with the producers, writers and actors in this movie, then, so be it. But, that is neither the beginning nor the end of this matter. This movie does a supreme job of teaching and promoting open and free choice of sexuality, atheism, amorality, a disdain for God, situational ethics, feminism and that violence is just a game where nobody really ever gets permanently hurt. But, that's the same lie we've been told before. Back to the real world. This movie is a reflection of what is going on in our real world, it is a promotion of the leftist utopia, aka, Marxism, you can and must be your own god. You must come together and build a city for yourselves which reaches into the heavens and make a name for yourselves and nothing will be impossible for you. But, let's forget the movie, Free Guy, for a moment. Let's come back to our real world, and to our very real world war for the hearts and minds of people. The end of this very real and eternal cosmic struggle, which has been waged for over 4,000 years, is in sight, and the good guys seem to be losing. Our world is quickly descending into a dark and evil chaos, the call for wars and rumors of wars is escalating and the ability to wage devastating and destructive wars and to end all life on earth has never been greater. There is an increase in earthquakes, famines and incurable diseases. Evil is being called as good, and good evil, we substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, we substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We have become wise in our own eyes and clever in our own sight. And, it is not just the world at large, but the postmodern church has fallen into a great and terrible state of apostasy. Just like in the book of Job from the Bible, God told Job, in response his lament, Now gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you, and you instruct me. This was God-sized sarcasm at its best. Job, like so many of us in our postmodern world, had begun to listen to his family and his friends' assessments of his maladies, diseases and torments. They said his situation was his own fault because of something he had done wrong. They said he would have to fix his own problems and that God must be angry with him. They were wrong on so many levels. Isn't this what our friends, families, our schools and universities, the arts and media telling us? They are sighing that our situation is our own fault because of something we have done wrong. They said we will have to fix his own problems and that even if there was a God, he must be angry with us. But, they are wrong on so many levels. Can the same be said about us and the Christian church at large? Have we been listening to the religious know-it-alls, and the hirelings, for much too long now, these religious people who tithe mint and dill and cumin but neglect the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness? Have they influenced our thinking so that we too are complaining, finding our own reasons for our sufferings and trying to create our own solutions to our malaise? Have we allowed ourselves to become self-indulgent, self-righteous and lazy toward the things of God, taking on a form of godliness which lacks power? Are we living in fear, obsessing and telling God about the sins of others, about what needs to happen according to our opinions, rather than humbling ourselves, and praying and seeking God, turning from our wicked ways, so God will hear from heaven, and will forgive our sin and heal our land? The Bible speaks of a remnant of God, being raised up at the right time in the closing days of this age. A foreshadowing of this was Noah and his family when were the remnant saved out of the millions on the earth before the flood, Genesis 6. Is it now time for the remnant of God to arise once again? Is it time for us to gird ourselves for war? Matthew chapter 24 records Jesus telling his disciples then and now, of the sign of his coming, and of the end of the age. 
Jesus' narrative throws back to the tribulations of the world between AD 1 and AD 69 and gives a panorama of the coming tribulation, concluding with these verses in Matthew 24 29-31. But immediately after the tribulation of those days the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And He will send forth His angels with a great trumpet blast, and they will gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of the sky to the other. The breaking of the sixth tribulation seal marks the rapture of the church, the beginning of the seven years of the great tribulation and the outpouring of the wrath of the Lamb, at which time our task on earth is completed. Revelation 19 11-21, says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many crowns, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in mid-heaven, Come, assemble for the great feast of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, both free and slaves, and small and great. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies, assembled to make war against him who sat on the horse, and against his army. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. You can find comfort by finding rest in Christ Jesus. You can be at peace in His presence. If you don't know Him, call on Him now. It is almost finished. Do you think I'm overthinking this? Do you think, perhaps, I am being too dramatic? Please, think again. Your brother and friend. Mike Young at Whitestone Fellowship 1 at protonmail.com https colon slash slash www.plugadeen.com slash movie reviews slash free guy 2021 slash